0: Melody's not here quite yet. Hey, Drew. Oh, hey. <laughs> Welcome to How College Works. Today we have some counselors. Yes? Is that right? Yeah, high yeah. school counselors. Yeah. High school counselors. So guests, please introduce yourselves.
1: I am Alexis Jimenez. This is my first year.
2: And I'm Greg a uh, lead counselor at Vaclav High School. It's my 29th year of hanging out with these kids.
0: Nice. The same kids all 29 years?
2: Uh, different kid.
0: Okay, that's good. Otherwise, I think you're probably <laughs> failing your job.
2: <laughs> I may not be doing my
0: job well. Thank kid. <laughs> so, uh, Greg, I think you have to you have to go soon. Is that right,
2: Alexis?
0: Sorry, Alexis has to go soon. Yeah. Okay. So, why don't we, we'll start with you, Alexis? You you get the floor. <laughs> so, what is your job? As I've discussed with with Drew and Melody on the podcast, I've been out of High school for 21 years at this point and have forgotten almost everything that that was like. So what do you, what is your job?
1: So, as a school counselor we see students, we help them, scheduling as well as if they have any issues um, in the classroom or anything that might affect them while they're at school, you know, um, house, home life, situations, that kind of thing, some social Support. And then we also have our own counseling duties. I am the AP coordinator. Um, I've been helping with the A through G management portal. Uh, what else? A few other things here and there. I'm starting up a mental health awareness um, little project. And yeah, just things like that.
0: So, So it sounds like. You know, in, in, I'm a academic advisor, so in that capacity, I will advise my advisees. That sort of seems kind of a tautology. But I, I give them advice on which classes to take, and when to take them, and make try to make sure that they know what they need to to progress through their major. And that seems like there is an aspect of that in what you do. But you also seem to have uh, sort of more of... I don't know if it is like social work, but you know more of that sort of emotional sort of support, social support for students as well, which is not my purview because I have like zero training in that. Is that kind of correct? Yes, uh, so that's kind of what
1: I meant by scheduling, make sure they have all their classes for graduation, as well as making them college eligible. Um, if that's not the path they want to take, you could also um, go more the career technical pathways as well. Mm-hmm having as many options for them uh, post-secondary education as possible.
0: So you are kind of responsible for like a holistic view of supporting the student, you know, emotionally, socially, academically, on their way through high school and then to wherever they're going next.
3: No pressure, man. Correct.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah, so we work
1: together, um, the, the department, work with the teachers and administrators as well to um, kind of wrap the student around with uh, services and support, you know, especially, especially working with the parents and um, here at school
0: as well. Okay. So what is your typical day kind of look like? I mean, it doesn't have to be like exactly one day, but sort of on an average day, what are the kinds of things that you're doing during the day?
3: Ooh, lately,
1: <laughs> it's been scheduling students, uh, meeting every single student uh, one-on-one have around 520 on my caseload, so preparing them for next year. Um, AP stuff is ramping up, so getting all that together. Um, when we get back from break, we have presentations um, from a foundation for mental health awareness, so that's on the horizon. After that is the actual AP test. So on the daily, it's kind of working on those, um, making sure I have everything that I need. Um, And also communicating with students if things pop up, Um, working on, you know, replying to emails, that kind of thing. I'm not sure what else. (laughs) That kind of is on the daily, which is is good.
0: So, a lot of, right now, a lot of scheduling for students and prepping for some things that are coming up that are a little bit more sort of, you know, awareness kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, Does that, I mean, so, Obviously, that changes during the course of, of the school year during times when you're not prepping them for the next um, for the n- next bit of enrollment uh, do you see students at all because I mean to be honest I didn't see my counselors except when I was registering classes or getting ready to go to college so I have like zero clue as to what happened when a atypical w-
3: student I would say I don't yeah but anyway go ahead <laughs> yeah and
1: um, you try to help and support students who might be struggling or have any concerns in the class or with their peers. Um, you know, Students are their best support system. So sometimes we hear about a friend who's struggling either academically or socially emotionally as well. Um, you know, taking phone calls from parents if they're concerned about their student. Um, communicating that information with our Dean you know, of Learning or Administrator. Um, and just disappointing the students in general, uh, we do have an intervention pause period, where students pause, tutor I should say, where students receive tutoring. I popped in there once or twice, but we have another counselor who is in there um, every period for that for the intervention period, um, and also trying to catch students who might be slipping through the cracks um, through attendance or through their um, quarterly grades.
0: So periods so that sounds like it's probably pretty busy even when you're not yeah. getting students enrolled yeah
3: these work to do. yeah always something and yeah i want to say there's there's a constant um the, the students here are making appointments to come in and see their counselor we have like what four counselors at the school yes. and uh, covering the the campus and they these guys are busy shuffling papers right now as far as scheduling for next year and those things, but the students are coming in to talk about whatever's on their mind, here's the papers, yeah, Sh- you know, talking about whatever's on their mind and, and, and you know, girlfriend broke up with me or whatever, and oh, yeah. um, all the time. That's mm-hmm. the so they, they are seeing every student yeah. at least once, maybe twice a year, and, and then some students come in um, a lot more. Yeah, we have students who come in weekly for a c- couple weeks,
1: something like that I and mean, mm-hmm.
2: frequent flyers
1: yeah <laughs> but I mean breaking up with a girlfriend especially at this age can be our boyfriend or whoever it's
2: pretty challenging for them and stressful right now about college which college are gonna choose to go to or got accepted to or finals in general
1: Test. yeah a lot of anxiety and stress on tests
0: I remember that vaguely <laughs> I said, it's been a, it's a bit, I've been out of high school longer than your students have been alive. So, you know, it gets, it gets fuzzy after a while. <laughs> no need to brag. <laughs> it just means I'm closer to death, man.
2: <laughs> it's inevitable.
0: That's right. So, uh, does, the, does the work of identifying students who need to be followed up with because, you know, their grades are slipping or their attendance hasn't been great or... I mean, how much of that falls on you, how much do you rely on other students or teachers to come in and say, hey, you know, uh, this student is, is, needs a little help, and then you reach out to them, versus how often is it a, a student coming in, you know, of their own accord?
1: It's, I think it's more us reaching out. It seems like the students who, um, you know, have attendance issues or grades are slipping, they don't tend to speak to the adults on campus about what's going on for one reason or another. Um, So it's mainly just having the conversation and reaching out to that that student. Some students do come in and ask for help, Um, so that's that's a bit rare. Um, But the students that we kind of reach out to, it's more about communicating uh, at home and with our administrators, um, specifically our dean of learning, and if that needs to kind of go up to the assistant principals
3: and that, that happens at that point. If it's, if it's grades or attendance, a lot of that system is automated to where there's a report that gets pulled um, either weekly or sometimes daily at different schools to say, you know, here's somebody that's, tru- that's got a troubling record of, you know, um, lack of attendance or grades are starting to slip based on the, the grade report. So those things can be automated.
2: Actually, I think what every six weeks we have a report, and we call the DF list, and that's when the grades come out. Mm-hmm. Um, every progress report, between the quarters and semesters. So we take that list and call those kids in, along with just in the other weeks when a teacher might say, could you please touch base with this student? Or mm-hmm. the parent calls and goes, I'm looking at, we have a thing called School Loop, that parents are on every single day, you know, it shows kids grades and attendance, and, and we remind them that sometimes the teacher takes a day or two to get the grade into the, yeah. into the computer, you know, after the assignment's been turned in.
3: Yeah, I don't want to minimize your job. The, the, identifying the students in that way is automated, but you still have to talk about oh, yeah. the faith and, and, and do, the, do the hard stuff that us teachers are not always uh, prepared to talk about. <laughs> Sure. but teachers teachers definitely do reach out to us about the
1: students that are concerned um, so they're definitely a big support
0: and so when when a student comes in what should are you, what should they expect from you what do you expect from them like is there any sort of misalignment there between like for an average student when they come in to talk to you you know about scheduling classes or because you know, uh, a teacher has said, you know, please talk with the student, they need a little help. Is there, is this something that would help them to know like what your job is versus what they think your job is? Yeah,
1: I think there's a lot of misconception around the students, especially if they have a preferred class or teacher or period that they want their schedule. We don't really have all that power. but, for the most part, it's just about seeing what the student needs. Um, and most students if they come in on their own, they're definitely more open um, as to what they may need or what support they have or what they're asking for. Um, if it's those students that you know we're kind of reaching out, it's more about seeing what's the root cause of whatever is going on, uh, which is often difficult. and we may need um, some support either with their with their the family at their home or within the company department the teachers or our ministers as well
0: and so for those students that are coming in with those expectations uh, or with who have been referred to you uh, are they wary or like so I'm just trying trying to think like what is what is that interaction like in general? I'm sure there's like extreme cases, you know, one way or the other, but are they sort of just pretty guarded and don't want to share?
1: Well, yeah, you have some of those students, um, but some of them, for the most part, most know that they're not in trouble. Some of them feel like they are um, because of, you know, maybe their grades or their They feel a certain way about the grades and maybe feel like they're going to be judged for it, whereas the reality is we just want to make sure that uh, we support them and make sure that they know the resources that we have on campus.
3: Mm.
1: So it's kind of rare that they
2: feel like they're in trouble per se, uh, but that that does it has happened once or twice. <laughs> I would say they are a little guarded many times when they come in, just trying to, because a lot of times they don't know us yet, because mm-hmm. they only met us, you know, when they scheduled, and then all of a sudden we're calling them in to talk about this, so they want to see. Are we gonna be nice? Are we gonna be Mm -hmm. mean? Yeah. Um, Are we gonna call their parents? So once you've established, hey, I'm just here to talk to you and find out what you might need and here's what we offer, then they kind of drop their guard a little and and then the conversations can really get interesting or intense if they're open enough to share why sometimes they've had struggles.
0: So are you, I, I mean, is the default that you're just going to talk and not contact their parents are there things that you have to disclose to their parents and, and if so like, do you sort of cover that up front
1: yeah there's a confidentiality piece um, so you know, if a conversation is going a little more in depth I let the students know that what's set in my office stays between us too unless they want to hurt themselves or somebody else or if there's been abuse or humanity about law, um, and there are certain things that the parents need to know, um, especially if it's concerning those, those topics. Um, and sometimes we ask the students, like, is it okay? If it's something that's not major, is it okay if, you know, if we talk to the parents, and most often than not, the yes. Uh, it seems like those students don't really have that, might not have that interaction with their parents before, or are a little worried about it, so having somebody else do it for them and kind of starting that conversation, um, that seems like it's been a relief for some students Whereas they you know, don't know how to bring up the topic or don't know how to receive the support or whatever it may be. Um, they're a little, they tend to accept that a little more. Now it's something they think they're gonna get in trouble for, then they're more hesitant uh, for that communication piece at home. Hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So I think I have a much better idea as to sort of what it is that you that you guys do. Um, I guess now I'll talk a little bit about what well, like what I do. So as because we've had our um, count I mean counselors. That's right. They're, they're like certified social services people who are doing like uh, legit psychological counseling. Not that you guys aren't. Uh, but that covers that piece in college. So I wanna sort of maybe contrast what we've discussed so far with how that kind of plays out at the college level. And normally, I would have Melody here to correct me when I'm wrong, but I'll be on my own, so hopefully, I'll do okay. Yeah, so, like I say, you uh, uh, you two guys are are doing a, like the whole package worth of sort of student support, and you right. know, when they come here, that that gets broken out. So, I I have advisees, and like I said before, I advise them on classes to take. Uh, they can choose not to take my advice that is their right as an adult to do so some places they might have to do a little bit more work to to make sure that their desires are are fulfilled and not my advice or not their advisor's advice but it is their right to register for the classes they want and they can always go and change those and uh and force that through so my capacity really is just officially academic advice i often end up having sort of like a little bit of life advice with my advisees if with things aren't working out or they're like, I want to graduate in two years with, you know, a bachelor's degree. It's like, well, okay, let's slow down. Um I don't think that's physically possible. And if it was, I think you would die. So let's reduce that credit load. <laughs> you know, and that sort of a thing. Talking to them about, you know, a marathon versus a sprint. You know, I, think I want them to be developing habits of workload that they can carry forward through the rest of their lives because
3: you know. Well so and then that's the topic of our podcast in general is, is that exact conversation of, of life balance but um, or portion of it. But you I mean you also have the practicalities that you run up against of the, the catalogue you're working under. I get, like you said, it's not physically possible to finish in two years because some courses are only offered every three or whatever the Right. There's a minimum of required credits in blah 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 areas before I can even get a, a degree in what I want. So
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah, there's some of those yeah, some of those things. I mean I, you know, some students come in with like a ton of credit because they did a lot of dual enrollment. But as you say, Drew, there is a minimum credit requirement at an institution to graduate with a degree from that institution. And so you may not be able to get out in that amount of time, because like you just got to stick around long enough to take enough classes, you know, from that college or university in order to get a degree from that college or university.
2: Would you stay with the same students?
0: Uh, generally, yes. They're allowed to to transfer. So there's a, pr- a procedure. I think all schools have a procedure. You come in, and you're uh, you're either you're assigned or or in some way gain an academic advisor. In some schools, they are professionals, so it is all they do is do academic advising. Uh, Certainly, I think that's more common for for larger schools. For smaller schools, a a faculty member is is tasked with that because we just don't have the resources to have a dedicated uh, academic advising staff uh, that does just that. And usually, the number of majors isn't big enough or diverse enough to require somebody to be fully dedicated to sort of knowing all those ins and outs. You know.
3: At my school it was the dean of the school of music who was our advisor for every year I met with her.
0: Wow, that's wow. That's really you must not have had a lot of people.
3: Um I'll have to go look. It's a pretty uh you know, not to brag, but it was a good school of music.
0: I mean, I I yeah, I believe you. It's just I have you know, I could open my drawer and pull out as many you know, advisors. I have, you know, half a dozen or more advisors or advisees, and I have, in a previous institution, you know, they selected a section for their, uh, they called it a communication and inquiry, basically a first-year freshman seminar course. And in doing so, though they didn't know it, they selected their advisor for their four years. You know, so I had 18 students come in, and, and then I was their advisor, and they had a diverse um diverse majors in there and interests, Uh, but I was still their advisor, not everybody was doing physics. There were some that were doing physics, uh, but there's some who like basically wanted to major in Japanese.
3: (laughs) Uh, Mr. Jimenez is going to take off right now.
1: Okay. Well, thank you for your time. Thank you. You're in the very capable hands of Mr. (laughs) Kamele. All right.
2: Go do do good work. I'll try. (laughs)
0: You know, so I, I advise them, there is there should be everywhere a process by which you can transfer advisors from one advisor okay. to another. And I, everywhere I've been, which is not exhaustive, that process doesn't actually require a signature from your current advisor. It requires a signature from your new advisor. Okay. Which makes sense to me because maybe I'm a bad guy. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I would withhold my signature. So if you need to get never told me that yet. That's right. I mean, if you're in
3: House Slytherin and Snape doesn't sign off, then
0: right, then you can't transfer. You know, to whoever's Hufflepuff or Ravenclaw. You know.
3: I, I haven't read that far anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: So so that's you. Know, that's that's my aspect of the advising, and when it comes to the emotional or social support those move over to Student Life and that's where our our counselors are housed within Student Life. And then they also have peer listeners who are other students who have have gone through training to be able to uh, effectively sort of listen to somebody else and help them work through those things. Uh, So that aspect of that emotional social support doesn't fall to me.
2: Right. Um, And to be totally transparent and we're very fortunate here. We have um, a police officer on campus and a, what we call youth services, and they're training um, people to be social workers. So we have access to about six young adults any given semester who are need hours. Mm-hmm. And so we have a referral once we meet with a kid because it's hard for us to have a regular meeting with any student, so we refer them to the social workers at our youth service office, and we have a mental health clinician who's a um, marriage and family child counselor who's contracted by our district, and she's actually in an office in our uh, in our um, building as well. That's fantastic. That's great. It's very nice because, you know, we're not in a position to <laughs> counsel kids yeah. for mental health on a regular basis. Right. We're right. more that immediate... Um, You say a
3: lot of times you guys are the the, the counselors at at campus are the kind of the first touch or the friend comes in and says my buddy's having trouble and that referral or the teacher sends in I think Andrew's having difficulties on this topic or whatever and then you guys are triaged to at least maybe talk with them and make sure everything's cool and then if it needs to filter to the mental health um, case manager which is a lot of separate paperwork Mm -hmm. but can be seen immediately. And we have two school psychologists at this campus um, who are able to see students. And, again, if that's a regular thing, it gets set up by paperwork, but everybody's able to be seen immediately in in crisis.
2: Right. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah, we have a really good model here. And, you know, most of the programs, when you get your pupil personnel services credential, are based on personal counseling. They don't talk about scheduling. And it turns out probably 70% of my job is scheduling. (laughs) <laughs> or
3: you, yeah, Yeah,
2: like after you guys schedule all the kids, then you have to go put the classes on a map, right? <laughs> right. So it kind of was hard for me at first because I really wanted to do some personal counseling and then, believe it or not, I enjoy it when a conversation about grades turns into a more of a personal conversation about family and life.
0: Right, and I'm assuming sort of more in the sharing and, and positive as opposed to the must triage now pass off, you know, sort of a thing. Uh, certainly, I find that as well. Like, I, you know, end up having conversations with my advisees about you know, what they like to do, what they're enjoying,
1: yeah,
0: that kind of a thing. And that is, that that aspect, that interaction with, with my students, and especially my advisees, where I get to see them grow, and I can mentor them in some way towards becoming sort of this best version of themselves where they where they discover what it is they really want to do, and we figure out how to make that happen. Like, I find that really rewarding, way more rewarding than, like, here are the classes you need to take.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and that's interesting, and your students are older than ours, so they have more of an idea of where they want to go. Sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. (laughs) But we do have those conversations, too, because we're trying to decide, do you want to take AP biology or AP physics? You know, which matches what you want to do? And they go, well, I'm not sure what I want to do. You know, I want to be a forensic... uh, I guess a there's a there's, there's
3: a question for us. We've talked about this before. Where mm-hmm. it seems nowadays, like when I was in school, it was like, well, AP this, AP that, and now it's like I want to take six APs and a seventh AP on, on the on the on the weekends through adult school, so I can get 12 APs. I'm like, come on, they start taking APs
2: sophomore mm-hmm. year now. Is this a sort real of thing? They do. It's it's well, it's so competitive to get into the quote unquote, you know, good college. University.
3: Yeah, that's what a couple Um, weeks ago we had a a guest on from UCLA. Oh,
2: wow, okay. And that's a hard college to get into, you know, for our students, any student. So, yes, our school has a lot of AP classes, and there's a group of kids who just really, it's more important to them to take the AP class instead of learning the material. And.
0: Yeah, that's going to bite you.
2: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And that's right, you know, Peter. So I tell them, would do you want to have a life you know do you play sports do you have a job um these are college courses taught in a high school campus how about we pare that down to three ap classes right and well it's th- a wonderful conversation and,
3: and pat or do you find like for that type of conversation are you talking more with the parents than the students <laughs> or is it
2: is it really student driven um eight okay. nine nine out of ten is student driven well eight out of ten is student driven and your parent driven.
0: Yeah. I mean, there is a lot of like a drive, like, there's this idealism yeah. and this, you know, change the world, which is great. I don't want to quash that in anybody, you know, but I, you know, I'm looking at it for students who are coming, and it was like, I've done a full year at, a, at dual enrollment with a community college, basically didn't go to high school my last year, so I'm coming, they're coming in with huge amounts of credit, and I'm like, hey, that's great. You know, and I've mentioned this on the podcast before. I'm like, oh, hey, so you know how to do college. Yeah, great. Let's sign you up. Yeah, let's be, let's, let's be gung-ho about this. And then, like, crunch. Yeah. You know, that dual enrollment is... I'm
3: skeptical about dual enrollment, but that's a personal bias. Huh? Yeah, that's
0: my personal bias. Because uh, I've, you know, students I've seen who've taken, say, AP Physics versus dual enrollment physics, that AP Physics, that's standardized in a way that I, I know exactly what, I'm, what that student has and uh, how I need to support them in that class. Whereas the dual enrollment, it is a crapshoot, and usually it's a crapshoot of a lower level on average than of the AP courses. So while it is probably better on paper and if you're just going to be building up a resume sort of a thing, that dual enrollment is, I think, a lower hurdle, lower bar. Um, Money-wise,
3: you're getting more credits for less money, so if if that's what you're after, I can get out sooner, question mark, unless I crash and burn first
0: semester. Which right, which is like, like, like the catch. I mean, and, and the, I'm, I'm right. sure as academic advisors, uh, you uh, all have probably already figured this out, which is that if they want to major in physics, taking AP physics is good for the, for the foundational knowledge, but that's not actually going to help them in their physics degree. Right. AP micro macro, that's going to be great because that's going to get them out of a, out of a uh, social science credit
3: they can take more physics classes on their major. And that's that's what I did, was I had an AP um, physics and AP calc on on my high school transcript, and because of my major in music, did not have to take math or science in college. I think that's not typical anymore. (laughs)
0: It's (laughs) not. (laughs) (laughs) Often there's some
3: requirements. (laughs) I guess in college faster. I I shouldn't say I didn't take math or science. I did, but I wasn't required to for my bachelor's. Right. Moving on, that's enough, enough. to Good to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, so Greg, tell us about when, Like, I know you guys start talking with ninth graders in first semester, right? Yep. I mean, coming in eighth grade, maybe September, October, you guys are already calling in ninth graders for like a first meeting. Um, I know that looking at the numbers of every high school I worked at, the, the cohort coming in at let's say 500 students in ninth grade, By the time they're in 12th grade, that cohort's down to like 250,
2: 280. Oh, it's not
3: that big of a difference. It's not that bad anymore? Good. No. Good. (laughs) But what what conversations are you having, and and are
2: you starting the conversation about college or career tech right then? We are, actually. We wait for them to get their first set of grades. So about nine weeks in, they get their first quarter grades. Mm -hmm. And so they know what a transcript is. So we come into all the freshman classes and talk about what's a transcript, what is A through G requirements? They've never heard of that. I haven't um, either. What is that? It's a, it's yeah. a California thing. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> In California, yeah, it's Certain. you need to have some four years of English. You have to have two years of social studies. You have to have three years of math to at least get to integrated three, which is the same as algebra two. You need uh, two years of a foreign language. And you need one year of a, um, fine art and then you need just one more college prep elective. So that's this A through G um, sort of track, I might say. And kids need to know that because, you know, if they're hoping to go to a four-year college, and that could be anywhere, not just California, um, at least we feel good that they have the basic courses that the colleges are requiring. And we encourage them them to do much more than that as well. Um, but we start that conversation in ninth grade and we go, this is what it's going to look like in 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th grade. We You guys do a four year plan. We right? do a four year plan, not etched in stone, of course, but it's just be thinking about are you gonna stay staying band or you want to do, um, you want to get to AP calculus, do you want to, um, you know, and I'm very open to, I know every student's not built for college, so we actually have a Pretty decent career technology education path, and that's uh, culinary arts, cooking, that's medical science, um, kinesiology, biotechnology. Uh, We just got building trades, you know, construction. Mm. So, you know, I try to encourage kids to at least take one of those classes, even if you don't think that's what you're going to do.
0: I mean, having some skill in, like, building trades stuff is, like, as a homeowner, like, a really good.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: And, like, that, ty- that type of construction, I, you know, growing up, construction was, like, just dudes in hard hats hauling stuff around. Um, but if you're in the trades, that's not it. Like, that's skilled labor that get paid well. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you're, and you're not hauling stuff. I mean, you are doing things, but it's, yeah, it's skilled right. labor. You're an artisan. I I mean,
3: here's what I I can recall a conversation. You talked about band, and uh, I went to major in music, which was um, uh, almost by accident because I didn't know what I wanted to do in high school. And when I chose to, my senior year, take a band course and the jazz band course, I recall my French teacher in particular coming up and saying, You need to finish your third year of French. Cancel jazz band right now. This is a bad idea. If you want to go to college, you need this third year of foreign language. Um, which I think is probably a real like she should have had that conversation with me that was that was you know what I mean like that was a, a good right. conversation to have
2: Coming um, from a good place
3: yes I, I didn't listen I took jazz band and I, I auditioned for school of music and made it in um, and so for music wise that worked out just fine but um, like tell, tell us about those conversations
2: yeah those conversations and I preface them with you know what school do you want to hopefully go to, and what major do you think you're gonna try to attain? Because you may not need three years of Spanish. Um, You need two in California again. You have to have the two, but the third is kind of a bonus and it makes you look a little better. And then it's like, do you want to be in student council? Um, Are you The conversation, science is probably the biggest conversation I have because a lot of kids are interested in the medical field, a lot of kids want to be um, engineers and you know there's a different path of course of classes that you would want to take in high school to prepare for either of those. And then I've got the student that just one of the hardest conversations is my junior is going to be a senior who just has no idea and, and isn't even ready for, for you know for your college and I'm totally cool with that too because we have a great community college um, system in California. Yeah, that's the other thing I was thinking about before. Um,
3: was uh, would you say that your decision tree is based on we want to advise and make the decision for the student that leaves the most doors open at the end?
2: I would totally agree with that statement. We're always talking about opportunity and choices. And I have a student that got a D in English 11 has A's and B's and pretty much everything else and is eligible for college except for that one D in English 11. So eight out of 10 times that student goes, oh, you know, and hopefully they already knew it, but, and they say, okay, I will repeat that class. So then when I'm a senior, I have more options. Mm-hmm. I always tell them, when your friends are all talking about going to Sac State or Davis or UCLA, and because of one class, one grade, you can't even apply. So that's an easy conversation, actually. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. I want to I circle back to a couple of things uh, that you were talking about. And one was like, when do you talk about classes and careers? And you're coming in a few weeks in to the start of, of their ninth grade year. Okay. So like you're coming in, was that October? Yep, okay. mid-October. The the difference in in most of the places that I've been is that, you know, I have those conversations um, uh, at the very start of the year. For a student who has not come in uh, to register yet or, or been or had advising for registration over the summer, excuse me, we do that basically right after orientation or in the middle of orientation. So they show up on campus, they go through the orientation, Three-quarters of it, like, dribbles out the other side of their head because there's just too much. You can't cram it in that fast. Right. And then they have to sit down with me, and then we pick classes before classes start because we got to get that done before classes start. Right. And then I'll meet with them generally, like, once a semester. You know, unless they are unless they have reasons to come talk to me or they just want to drop by and say hi. I, I do have advisees who are like, hey, what's going on? Um, but if that's not where they're at or that's not who they are, then I will see them twice a year. I will see them at registration for the next semester's classes. In um, those, those conversations, you know, you're talking about really bringing them through, like, what do they need, what, leave the most doors open, um, and really guiding them, it seems like, guiding them a lot, you know, helping them, helping them walk through it a lot and that type of exploring what they're interested in and where they need to be going, that's a conversation I have with them uh, like the first time, basically. Right. Uh, it's like, okay, where are we going? Uh, what do you want to do? And, and for most students, they kind of have an idea already as to what they want to do. For some students, I've had like an hour long, it's like, what do you want to do? I don't know. What do you right. like to do? <laughs> you know, what do you want to, do? what are the kinds of experiences you want to have with your life? Okay, that kind of sounds like this. Maybe we can yeah. go over here, you know.
2: That's kind of a luxury to have an hour to, be able to chat with one student.
0: Uh, it's, it's not common. <laughs>
2: okay.
0: <laughs> uh, and that, that semester, uh, that student was particularly advisee, like, basically had no clue what they wanted to do. And I didn't yeah. have a lot of new advisees that semester. We're going more and more towards summer advising. So, you know, we're going to have a round in a couple of weeks or a week where we're going to have some students on campus who, are, who have deposited, so they're coming at least on paper. Right. And we're gonna to talk to them and get them registered now before the summer even hits for the classes that they need. Yeah. Uh, and then there'll be a couple of rounds during the summer of, hey, you've deposited uh, here over the phone, let's sit down, let's let's get our let's get our schedule set so that over the summer they know what they're gonna be doing. But there's also I mean I was also thinking it was like you were saying you know, advising to leave the most doors open, and I don't—I'm sh- not sure that's—that's that's where my head is when I'm advising my students.
2: Yeah, yeah I don't think it should be for yeah. your level. Right, <laughs> right. And like your level. Hopefully, they've chosen a major, perhaps, or they—they've made it to college. You know. Right. Like Talk about opportunities of, am I going to go to a four-year college, a two-year college, a trade school? Those are kind of the options yeah. that I'm talking about and. You get the occasional kid that's maybe failed one or two classes that would preclude them from being eligible for college so that's a conversation of this is just an option that we would love for you to have when you're a senior but if you if that's not your thing then what else, what else are you going to be prepared to do when you leave high school
0: right yeah so that's that's it for a student coming into college to be aware that you know In in high school, this is like, what are your options? What are the, what is the most, most that we can have you to be able to pick from? But once you're here with me, my kind of expectation is that you may not know exactly what you want to do, but I'm going to require you to soon pick a direction. You can change it. Yeah. But I need you to tell me where you want to go so that we can start to construct a path to get there. Are
3: your people to be undeclared?
0: No. I mean, sort of, but no. We want to catch them as soon as they come in on what they want to do. They can change that at any time, and that should be true at any school, but part of our reporting to the federal government in terms of dollars and students and all that, catching them with a declared intended major when they show up is uh, basically bookkeeping that we need to do.
3: i think i wanted to mention that too um so you can edit this and cut it and stick it back in the right spot (laughs) one of the measuring sticks that the state of california uses is that a to g requirement what percentage of graduate am i right greg one of the percentage of of 12th grade graduates that are a to g uh, compliant or ready or whatever is a is kind of a i don't know litmus test one of the pieces of measuring that they do to say this school is serving students well which we are
0: Yeah, I mean, and we have a slightly different um, standard, but it's sort of similar. And, like, we end up, we have a time and a half completion is what we're measured on. Uh, One of the things that we're measured on is so. How many people have finished a a degree? Yeah, so how many have finished a degree in basically six years, I think. So after for how many people who have come in with an intended major and six years later, how many of those have left with that with that degree, and I'm not sure exactly how that works as they're switching in the middle. But basically, even if you're switching every semester for the first two years, like you should be able to make it out in six, regardless of what you've done to your major selection. Right. Yeah. You
2: yeah. know. So that a lot that, of colleges I've been told are going in that direction. They want you to be out in really in four, but yes, you know, five, mm-hmm. six would be a stretch. And community th- college. You know, it used to be kids were in there, because I just went to a conference, I said like seven years. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and they're working, obviously, and they're struggling. Sure. But.
0: That makes sense, yeah. I mean, if you're doing part-time, you're not fully enrolled. Yeah. You know, you're basically continuing education because that you have a job system. and a life and, like, right. rent to pay, and you're taking community college classes part like, time. time.
3: Life well, hits them hard when you're out of high school. I think that's one of the topics we talked about is the student coming in and saying, well, I'm paying for this. and and I am, except um, I know when I I took a couple of summer courses at um, Penn State uh, Extension Campus, which is basically the Pennsylvania Community College version, uh, but also at my undergraduate uh, university, it was, um, you had to finish in seven years or else you started over under a new catalog. So my credits may not count, and I have to go recount them if this course no longer is up to date. And uh, at Penn State it was... um, are you degree-seeking? We're not going to let you enroll unless you're degree-seeking in these particular courses because we want to serve students going for AA or BA yep, or whatever.
2: Going forward at um, California
3: law. So, yeah, I had to go prove to them that I am degree-seeking, just not at Penn State. I was going to transfer over to my other <laughs> <unit. laughs> school. Right, right, as
0: opposed to, say, continuing education or adult education for. Right, and they had
3: a different way to serve that, um, right. that audience. Population.
0: Yep. For those who don't know, that's just like, you know, maybe your grandma's taking a painting class. Like, she's not going to major in art. It's just a nice class. The community college might offer such a thing. And
3: I think you're right. I mean, it's yeah. a different budget line kind of
0: thing. Exactly. Well, and those students are are less enrolled. They enroll for fewer credit hours. They are not necessarily as consistent. From a financial perspective, it's a completely different population From for, for the school. That if you're going to be primarily serving you know, returning adults who are going to take a couple of classes for fun, you need to be, have a very different structure in how you are going to manage your finances than if you are going to be focused primarily on students who are coming in and are degree-seeking, that are there, they're going to be, uh, ideally, I think, I think ideally for most places, you want fully enrolled, you want 12 credit hours or more, you know, and that sort of a thing.
2: Are, are you seeing um, at the college level lot of anxiety. Yes, you are.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. We're talking about that at at, at this level for sure. We're seeing students coming into high school with uh, rampant. um, And I, I, we, I was hearing it when I was in the classroom called school anxiety. So the parent would contact me and say, "Well, my student has school anxiety, so we need to make uh, arrangements about this modifications, accommodations, all, all kinds of everything about the school anxiety." And in one sense, it's like well. Okay, I have school anxiety too. Some days I don't want to go
0: to work. I keep getting these parents calling me about anxious students. I'm so anxious about it. Yeah, they yeah.
3: I, I I can't call you, can they? If you're not at school and I go to Walmart and see you at Walmart, you don't have any... Walmart anxiety. Yeah, you don't have any Walmart anxiety. What's happening? <laughs> uh, anyway, no, sorry. Anxiety
0: is yeah. real, though. It is. It, yeah, it is. well, I, mean, I think it's... I mean, we've, we've read about some stuff. Certainly there's... Among the faculty, you know, there's circulated... You know, some reports uh, about, you know, what are our students like and, you know, anxiety and uh, depression. Uh, yeah. These are much more common uh, for, these, for, for students coming into college now than they were when I was coming into college. So one of the things that I try to keep in mind, though I'm not on that sort of social-emotional side of things, is that you know, this population of, stu- of, of people is just different, fundamentally different in some way than within me when I went to college and so there right. are things that I can relate to but there are also things that I, I can't relate to that are probably far more common for my students than they were for me or my friends when I was in college.
3: I was making a joke and I shouldn't have made that joke. They, they, you know the, the mental health situation that, that we have a luxury at this campus of, of uh, a lot of mental health resources, are more than other campuses, and, and for surely, I think K-12 needs more of a wraparound uh, before and after academic hours services mm-hmm. on, um, regarding mental health.
0: Yeah, no, I, I super agree with you, and, and I think higher ed is the same way, and as we've discussed when we had our counselor on, uh, for our size, we have a, a large number, we have two, but for our size, it's a large number of counselors for our student body, and they are... Kind of run ragged this semester, because just because it is it is more of a thing, and I don't think it's just that we recognize it more and we stigmatize it less. Both of which are good, you know. But there just there does seem to be an underlying increase in in this uh, in this anxiety, which um, you know should be recognized and should be treated as legitimate.
2: Oh, absolutely, and I hope that we're preparing kids. You know, for your level, that's something that we look at and, you know, we're always questioning what does a grade really mean? You know, the mastery of the subject, is, is an A and A the same in Vacaville, as San Francisco, as San Diego? Probably not. Probably not.
0: <laughs> well, another conversation that I have with, you know, my students and not just my advisees is, you know, your grades are not who you are. You know, your identity does not rest upon getting good grades. Right. You know, I, I have to grade you fairly, you know, within context of, of my class and the rest of your, your peers in the class, and so uh, it's, it is likely that many students when they come to college will get grades lower than they expect or wish. Uh, and, and often, certainly for me when I went to college, the, some of the lowest grades I've ever had. Right. You know, but, but making sure that we can disconnect those at least from my talking to them. I don't know how convincing I am. (laughs) It's like my judging you as a my my assessment of you as a person does not does not take into your your grades into account.
2: Yeah, that's a good message. Yeah.
0: If you're disrespectful to me in my class, it will take that into account. But (laughs) But not
2: your grades. (laughs) That's a different story.
0: Yeah, that's 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 different. Yeah. You
2: know,
0: yeah, there is this there is I I don't know if it's true for uh, for students, but I feel like there's there is much more of a a melding between academics and social aspects in high school, and that starts to break apart in college. In in that is like what you're doing academically and who your your friends are, like who's in class with you and who your friends are, and those start for me anyway started to split apart when yeah. I was in college, uh, and that's part of. It's part of this thing about, like, coming, coming in, like, growing into, like, adulthood is this, like, who your friends are and who you work with aren't necessarily the same group. Like, there's probably some overlap. That Venn diagram has overlap, but that doesn't mean that the people who share your interests are the people that you spend all day with,
2: uh, anymore. Yeah. No, in high school it's still very prevalent. Yeah, <laughs> you're, um... You know, if you play football or if you, you know are in the yeah. robotics group or if you're in the drama, there's still the clicks, There's still the social, you know, and like we were just doing uh, Mr. Uh, Jimenez had talked about all the AP tests and things coming up, and he's off right now talking to a group of 60 students who are filling out the paperwork, and yesterday we did that as well. and These kids all know each other really well, and they're very high energy and... <laughs> Goofy. yeah, Right, right. But they're all, they've been taking these advanced classes for two, maybe three years. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a certain group.
0: Yeah, well, and you get to, like, support, I mean, you kind of support each other, and, you know, you come talk, they, they talk with you, and, you know, they get this sort of advice, and, like, you, you know, just a, a common experience is a, is a bonding one. And, yeah. And they move together, and they can support each other as they move through. One of the things I was just thinking about is that, I, I suspect that, you know, the conversations about what you need and when you need those things, when they're coming to me, I'm, I'm handing a lot of that back to them sure. in terms of, well, what, you know, like they, they I suspect they got a lot more of like, here's what you need. I am, I, this other person been telling you what you need, you tell me this thing that you're going to do, or I'm just going to tell you, you know, most options, here's what you need to do. Uh, to make that happen and here's when you need to have those things and a lot of well a lot of my job I don't know if that's true but a lot of my philosophy as an academic advisor is to hand that back to them and say I want you I mean you tell me what your major is I want you to go look in the catalog I want you to look in the resource handbook I want you to you be able to tell me what classes that you need and I want at least the first couple times, uh, I'm going to ask you what courses you need and when they're offered, and you're going to tell me you don't know. And then I'm going to walk you through using the catalog, and then I'm going to come back and be like, next time we're registering, bring in your schedule. Like, you know your major, you should like right. what it is going to be, and I'm, I'm expecting you more and more to know what are your requirements are. So that my job is to be all like, yeah, this looks okay, you know, check to make sure you're getting enough credits, that you're getting all the classes, but not not the level, my my advisees who are going to be seniors next year, I'm not really going through with a fine-tooth comb necessarily because, you know, they should be able to do that. And legally speaking, the responsibility falls on them. Like, I don't want them to be a class short and not be able to graduate and I want to do what I can to make sure that's the case. But part of that for me is making sure that they learn the skills and they learn the the sort of awareness.
3: My final year, which was my fifth year, by the way, of uh, undergraduate, I did, I was able to go um, down to the registrar to verify, like, do I, I wanted to check with somebody and ask and I, New enough to go find the right person and say, "Hey, do I have enough credits? Is this class going to count? If I get a D here or an A here, is it going to impact my my completion of my graduation?" Um, so I knew to go seek that out, uh, and I would not have done that my first year at all. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I want to um, before we wrap it up, I just want to say a big thank you to Mr. Alexis Jimenez and Mr. Greg Mailing, who um, were brave enough to come on and talk with us.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. It's been really, really informative, and it's been a pleasure to have you on.
2: Well, it's been a pleasure to do this. I was a little nervous, i got to be honest, but I trust your brother, so... <laughs>
0: well, mostly you just got to answer my questions. <laughs> That's usually a low low bar, low bar, because I don't know any better, so you can tell me whatever you want. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you very much. Thank you. So... Listeners, if you have a question for us or for me, you can reach me on Twitter. I'm at Dr. Hyland, D-O-C-T-O-R-H-Y-L-A-N-D. Or send me an email, peter.o.hyland, H-Y-L-A-N-D, at gmail.com. All right. See everybody next week. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.